And we are back for another episode of the Play On Podcast. It is myself, your ally when it comes to football news on this fan-led forum. And I am alongside my most gracious host, the man like... Ash, what's happening? Everything is all good in the hood. How are you getting on yourself, sir? Yeah, cool, man. I'm all, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, just uh, enjoying a nice little bit of weather we got this weekend and some of the fantastic football that we've had this week in the Premier League has been great. Um, but what hasn't been great is obviously the Arsenal result. That wasn't too good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let me not say too much. End of the season. End of the season. Oh, man. Just, I think the last time we talked to Arsenal, we, we were full of optimism. And uh, I myself, I remember saying how, you know, I thought we were going to qualify for the Champions League. But boy, it's not looking good. Like, it's, it's just a couple of games later. It's funny how things can change. It is funny how things change. Yeah, for real. There we go. Um, sounds like we're ready, ready to rock and roll for another episode of the Play On Podcast. Lots to talk about. We've got news, we've got results, we've got fixtures. Um, yeah, let's dive in, man. Let's dive in. We had the Friday game. I'm, I'm still still a bit mixed about these Friday night games. It's good to have football on a Friday, but we're not always getting the most exciting games. And uh, from an FPL perspective, I looked at this game thinking it could be a draw. Two teams that aren't really scoring a lot of goals um, and aren't really the easiest to get past and put goals past. So I thought, why not? I put two Wolves defenders in. Well, I had them in my team anyway, but I thought, yeah, why not? I'm going to have my two Wolves defenders and hopefully I'll get some points. But Newcastle scored a penalty. That's the annoying thing because I could have got two clean sheets, but a penalty, Chris Wood getting brought down, um, looked like he was kind of looking for it. So I kind of feel like if he didn't go down, he wasn't going to be able to run the keeper and score the goal because um, he's not the best finisher in the world. But maybe he would have. What do you think, Henry? I've just seen your team. You've got 77 points, bro. <laughs> yeah, but I could have had two clean sheets. Oh, wow. I just did you saw your team. Smacked it with some. We'll get on to that in a bit. Um, yeah, I had Kilman. It was... By the letter of the law, it was a penalty. He knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, you can't really complain. Like, if that had happened to an Arsenal player, we'd be screaming for a penalty. So, it's a fair penalty. Good finish. He had a, he had a goal ruled out earlier on in the game. I think he started to settle into 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 his role now. I think he understands that like, what he should be doing um, for that team. And as a result, we're going to start seeing um probably cr- like Chris Wood kicking on and getting some really good like good numbers for for Newcastle moving forward. So so yeah, it was um yeah it was it was a weird one because Newcastle were probably just about the better side. Um, could have made the argument that they deserved to have scored a bit earlier on. But Wolves, no Jimenez. Yeah, I think I think if that game had finished nil nil, I think everyone would have been happy. But Newcastle were a one nil win. That they do. Um shout out to Saint Maximum because you know we know him as being Gucci. Um we can get on to later about how there's a new Gucci king in town, but uh he actually switched up the source. Did you see how he had the uh, the Louis V headband on uh, this week? Yeah, he's doing all right, man. Money, yeah, money, money, money is long. Money is long. <laughs> <laughs> I 
thought that was fly. That was a super fly headband from LAC Maximum and entertaining the fans with his fashion and with his football. Go on. Um, and um, yeah, let's keep it moving on to Saturday. So a uh, good win for Eddie House, boys. What in with Newcastle beating Wolves 1-0? I don't know what's going on with my talking right now. Um, another 1-0 win and another good win from another young English manager was Frank Lampard's Everton side beating Manchester United 1-0. Now, this for me was probably the, the shocking result of the weekend so far. Uh, the weekend hasn't finished at the time of recording, but this result was... I just kind of expected Manchester United to put a couple of goals past Everton. Everton have been poor, they've been leaking goals. Um, but somehow they got a clean sheet. Um, and for Manchester United to lose away to Everton, this is a terrible result, especially not just because Manchester United is a huge club and they're bigger than Everton and, and should be winning this game, but because of how poor Everton have been recently. <sighs> Talk to me, Ash. What's your thoughts on this one? Um... So big win for Everton off the back of two very disappointing results. They obviously got beaten by Burnley in the midweek game. I really just... I spoke a lot about Everton's home form being super important for them. Um, They failed to win so many games at home. They're not doing anything away from home. And United, with aspirations of closing the gap down to Tottenham and Arsenal needed to win this and it just says a lot about the state that United are in I can't really speak too much as an Arsenal fan considering the week that we've had but Man United the team just seem a shambles a mess um, yeah yeah they need they need a they need a lot to happen they need they need to confirm the manager they need to just get some stability Back into the into the club, but yeah, they should they should not be losing to Everton. They shouldn't be losing to Everton, and it didn't really create much to really. Like, I know Pickford made a couple of saves. There was a save late against Ronaldo, um, and there was a couple against Rashford. But they, considering the form and the the way Everton have been playing, United were just absolutely awful. Um, their big guns aren't really firing. Rashford's played should never have been taken off. He was there. He was like the best player for them. Um, and there's a lot of players who are just like getting games off of reputation as opposed to performance. Um, but then they're still giving people like they've given Bruno Fernandez a new contract. Um, and and yeah, like we there was even a story that we're gonna speak about a little bit on. But Ragnick and the Austrian FA had some um, conversations this this week where the Austrian FA had to reject the claim that they've actually approached Ragnick for their vacant job. We're hearing some other names like bounded around in relation to who will be taking over next year. But it's just such an unsettling time at United. They need some stability. They need a clear sense of what they're going to be doing moving forward. And they need their play, their bigger players to really start putting their finger out. Yeah, that talking about the um, the Fernandez contract, that was a strange one for me because the situation that they're in now, he hasn't really been performing for quite some time. You'd think, mm, it, you know, it's not the partnership he has with Ronaldo isn't really working. Mm. You think maybe they they'll be looking to try and do something different in the summer, 
Um, but they've rewarded him with a huge new contract. To be fair, he has been a good player for them. He has put the ball in the back of the net on a consistent basis. And maybe it's just a little blip now. Um, and maybe he'll be back to his best soon enough. Um, but he didn't really, you know, have that new contract lift and, and seem to be, you know, like one of the best players on the pitch even against mm. them. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening there with Fernandes. Obviously, Ronaldo, things aren't really going so well with him. Um, we've got this story here from Eurosport um, detailing this incident that he had after the game. I mean, you can imagine being Ronaldo, being frustrated. You know, he's a perfectionist. He wants everything to go well. Um, but hitting the phone out of the hand of a fan and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Me personally... After reading the story, I kind of felt like the mother was milking it a little bit. She didn't yeah, yeah, of course. Milking this, this, this story. Um, but you know, Ronaldo has apologised for it. But I guess it's just a sign of how bad things are that you know uh, players are getting frustrated and lashing out at fans. And yeah, they're losing again, losing games they shouldn't be losing. This talk about the manager being linked with... Um, the strange thing about that as well is it's not like he's come into Manchester United and they've looked in, incredible and, you know, now team other uh, nations want him to come and manage their nation. He hasn't even mm. been that great, so I don't really know <laughs> why he would be linked with another job as a manager, but there you go. There you go. Um, if I was Manchester United, a fan... I'd probably be thinking you can have Ragnick, mate. Let's get somebody else in. Yeah, fair. Um, swiftly moving on, we've got Arsenal versus Brighton, and the score ended Arsenal one to Brighton. I, I am just, I don't even want to talk about this one right now. What do you think about this, Miss? I think it just highlights the the importance of a couple couple of players. Um. Kieran Tierney missed the game on when on Monday night, and just the overall balance he gives the left hand side, but just the command and the the communication is just so big for us as a as a football team. So we don't seem to really have people that are loud and quite vocal. Um, Ramsdale, yeah, he makes he he's quite vocal, but after that, I don't look at too many of the other players on the pitch to think that. Whereas you know, Kieran Tierney is that um, in terms of his def- defensive capability, he obviously makes the back line a lot tighter. Um, offensively, he's a great outlet for us, able to carry the ball, um, great passer, um, and him 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 being unavailable allied with Cedric, who's performed like admirably, but he's not the ideal kind of choice at, at right back against that particular Crystal Palace team was 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 a bit of a worry for me. Um, obviously, we lost 3-0. Partey went off injured. Tavares had another bad game. It meant that we had to move Xhaka to left back. So what we've now done is we've kind of completely unstabilised. Three positions have now had to change. Um off the back of kind of two injuries. So what we then had yesterday was we had this this thing that we do where we almost play like a 4-1-4-1, where you have like Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, Saka, and then you have Lacazette, right? 
Now, for me, I do worry about that because first and foremost, you've got like Sammy Lokonga, who's playing his first, I think he's only had like two starts in 17 games. You then move Xhaka out of central midfield and put him at a left back. There's just, there's, and then you play a more offensive player next to Odegaard. And then there's gaps. Now, for me, Brighton at home is a game you should be winning. But you still have to have the right shape and thing. So the first goal that we conceded is exactly down to the gap in the midfield and having one person sitting as opposed to two. So as the guy's gone down the right-hand side and he's pulled the ball back, Trossard has been able to walk into a lot of space. If you had two defence-minded players in that midfield, they would have more likely to have been in that area. The second one is just poor. Like, no one really puts enough pressure on the ball. But our entire performance was flat. Like, we didn't have enough energy. There wasn't enough, like, pressing. Like, remember, we, we have a target of the top four that we're going for. Yes, I can put this down at the manager's door in terms of some of the selections that he kind of made. But ultimately, the players know what's required of them. And we got that big win away to, well, a big win away to Aston Villa. We've now seen going to Aston Villa doesn't seem to be that much of a big deal. But what we are seeing is that in our last two games against Palace and Brighton, teams that don't really have anything to fight for, they are out, they're, they're out fighting us. We've got a target. They don't have a target, but yet they're able to muster up more fight, more purpose, more focus for a game. So it's a bit worrying. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a bit worrying because it's, it's all very good when it goes well, like all of that kind of stuff. But we needed to respond yesterday and we didn't. And now, as you can see, I said a couple of weeks ago, it's all on that North London derby. We might get to that North London derby and there's nothing to play for just because of these two results. It's really looking at that because when you looked at the fixtures, you would have thought... We've got a decent run-in, you know. We can get some points against Palace, against Brighton, Southampton, and then we go into the sticky period, right? Exactly. Um, and we've just, we've just fallen before we even got to the sticky period. So, you know, looking at the Southampton game now, I'm actually wondering, are Southampton going to do us over? Um, I think maybe the, uh, the strength and depth has been questioned, it's been tested, it's been questioned. And maybe it didn't pass the test. So, you know, we had the January transfer window. We brought in players in the summer. I said at the start of the season that Arteta now, like, I'm reserving judgment on Arteta because he's been working with players that have been underperforming under previous managers. And, you know, okay, he's, it's taken him a while to get players out and get his own players in. But in the summer, he brought in a lot of his own players. Um... And it seems like he doesn't even want to play some of his own players. He doesn't want to play Tavares at left back. He He's doing all kinds of crazy stuff to not play Tavares. Uh, he's bringing in Lokonga and Lokonga isn't playing very well. I mean, I know the players are young, but we need, we need performances, man. We need them and things are just not working out. I'm just actually concerned about these fixtures because... It's not just that we're playing big teams, like we're playing Spurs and we're playing Man United, we're playing Chelsea. Like that, that could be West Ham. That could be you finished just there. North London derby, sorry, North London derby, London derby against West Ham. 
but we're also playing Everton in the last day of the season and that could be a game where Everton desperately need the three points and maybe we desperately need the three points too to be able to qualify for Champions League or qualify for Europa League um, so yeah it's just it's, it's a mess I think I think with the the way that we've been playing the Champions League is, is out of our hands now we've, we've let this slip but, you know, maybe we can still finish top six, um, get into Europe next season. Yeah, but that's not it, though. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, when, you have an, when you have an opportunity like this, you have to seize it. And I think this is where we, we have to look at the state of the squad. To only have, essentially, Lacazette and Martinelli and Enketia as, as the forwards in the squad who can literally like, do that. And Martinelli's been playing left wing. Now, Lacazette scored four goals all year. And he's he's who we're relying on. Like, it's... I mean, I put him in my fantasy team because I'm just like, well, some, he's, he's eventually got to score, right? But Sweet when game. you really look at his underlying stats, his underlying numbers, like, yeah, he's, 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 he's playing for us. He's starting the game for us. But it's absolutely, it's absolutely nuts that, that he's, he, he's who we're essentially relying on. And... I think he will score. Like I think I think he's gonna score. I think I reckon he's gonna score maybe like two or three more goals for the end of the season. But we need a guy who's gonna sh- score six, seven, eight, and just be like, yeah, take the pressure off. Like very, very early in the day, like against Brighton, go one nil up. Look at what Tottenham did. Like Tottenham just went one nil up, and then just ended up like pressure, da 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 da. Then bang, 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 game done. Like genuinely just going up early and then just seeing these games out. Like Chelsea done it yesterday as well. Just but we just are like it. It doesn't take much for us to be out of sync, and I think that's the big that's the big issue. Big problems at Arsenal, and um, we'll see where we end up at the end of the season. Uh, moving on, another shocking result: Southampton nil and Chelsea hitting them for six. Didn't see that one coming because Chelsea had actually been pretty poor recently their results have slipped um they had two defeats on the bounce but Southampton's had three defeats on the bounce and they've lost four in their last five the other result being a draw um away to Leeds so I mean if Southampton aren't careful they could end up slipping into this uh this relegation battle I think they're I think they're clear enough 36 points yeah I think 36 yeah they're definitely they're clear they're okay. clear because I think what you got to factor in is okay. So the team in third is team in third. Sorry, I need to move this. Third, third from bottom. Yeah, the team third from bottom is Burnley, right? And Burnley currently have twenty four points. Twenty four points. So they need to get so they need to win four games. They've won four games out of twenty nine. Can we really see Burnley winning four games out of their next nine? Probably not. You see what I'm saying? So actually, I think I think I think they're good. What Bernie needs to do is hope that, yeah, they literally need to hope that they can get something on Everton because even for me now, Leeds at 33, they're probably like say one win away from being from being okay. I think Watford and Watford and Norwich are definitely down. Bernie played Norwich today. Don't want to jump too early into that. Bernie have to win. And they just have to bang it out with, with Everton. I think everyone above Leeds are pretty much safe, if I'm honest. 
because what you got, what, what, whenever you think about the relegation zone, you got to think of these teams have failed to win X amount of games for the whole season. We're now expecting them to match their total of wins for a whole season <laughs> in seven or eight games. There's a reason why they're down there in it. So we've seen it happen beforehand. We've seen miracles. We've seen like certain teams win like four or five on a bounce where they hadn't done that beforehand. But looking at the state and who they're playing and some of the teams that they got to play and what they're what they're going for as well. It's a little bit ropey. It's a little bit ropey to see that happen. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Ropey to say the least. Uh good win for Chelsea though. Uh goals from pretty much half of the team. Mm. A very good performance from Mason Mount getting two goals and an assist. Mm. Um he's a name that's been a bit quiet recently. I thought he would have done a bit better this season. Um what's your thoughts on Mason Mount? I just think structurally things need to have needed to move around a little bit for him. So um, it hasn't always been clear what role he plays in that team. Now he's playing as one of the front three. Um, he's getting a decent run now. He's in my fantasy team, so I was really happy with those oh, 19 nice. points. Uh, bro, listen, <laughs> the week I've had in fantasy, <laughs> that was needed. Um, but yeah, I think I think from now on, he's got the, the bit in his teeth to kick on and... Yeah, he could he could end the season pretty pretty handsomely. So, in in relation to Ashman FC, please please continue to do that, please, <laughs> because I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to win some mini leagues. <laughs> I'm, I'm tough. keeping a, I'm tough. Keep, it really is. There's, there's a lot of uh, stiff competition in FPL, and I'm keeping a little close watch on Timo Werner as well because it looks like he's coming into form. Two goals for him as well. Um. In other results, we have Watford, Neil and Leeds 3. Uh, it's it's a real miraculous turnaround for Leeds. It wasn't that long ago when we thought the new coach might be in, in over his head, but they've clawed back some results and there they are. There they are winning against relegation strugglers, fellow relegation threatened rivals. Great result. Yeah, they got their players back. Like I'm not going to say too much because we speak about Leeds regularly and my dad will know because I spoke to him the other day. Once you get your players back, they've got their base, they're working some stuff out, they'll be good. Like They've got good players, they're going to score goals, they just needed to stop to stop shipping as many and they've started to do that recently. They've got 10 points out of their last 12, some really big away wins including going to Wolves and winning and also um, winning at Watford. So yeah, no, great win, great win and... um. I'm actually going to see um, Crystal Palace versus Leeds in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, that should be a good game to be able to report back on. Yeah, that will be. Looking forward to that report. Um, myself, just a little bit upset that I took Rafinha out of my team or I would have had even more points, wouldn't I? Took him out to put Corne in. So let's see if Corne does the business. No, we'll see because like, Corne's got a game this week and he's got a double game week next week. So, yeah. even, so even if Rafinha got, Rafinha's got 10 points so far, if Corne scores one goal across the three games, he's already going to top that. So it, it makes sense across the wider the wider three of that two game weeks. I think it's that, was, that, was, that was the strategy. Yeah. So yeah, let's see if it pays off. Um, moving on, we've got Villa versus Spurs. Villa, four defeats in their last five, four consecutive defeats. Mm. I mean, you knew what the score was going to be, but did you think that Son would score a hat-trick? If I did, I would have made him captain. (laughs) He was my vice. I made Saka captain and I got one point from Saka. 
that would have been an extra 20 points, which would definitely have boosted my my ratings and my chances of winning um, my multiple um, mini leagues. No, I think I think I expected both teams to score in that game. Um, I thought maybe it'd be a 2-1 to, to, to Tottenham. I don't understand how Villa weren't winning in the first half. Villa were, Villa were great, like absolutely battered Tottenham. But one thing Tottenham do have is they have in Kane and Son and now Kulisevsky, especially away from home, their ability to just turn attack from the fence very quickly is just they're a real a real gift of theirs. So um as you saw, there's a couple of balls got played through to Harry Kane. Just yeah, a couple of flick ons, touches around the corner, players are in. And that was it, really. Um, once they scored the second goal just after half-time, the game was pretty much over and done with. Um, but it's such a shame because Villa's first-half performance meant that they merited... They didn't merit a 4-0. Definitely not. Um, well, yeah, I'm uh, appreciating the transitional players you alluded to earlier. And I think Harry Kane in particular needs to be singled out for praise because it seems when they counter-attack, the ball goes through Kane... And he moves the ball so quickly, like with that flick on assist into Son, that was that was beautiful. Mm. And and it's that pace of Son and Kulisevsky down the wings and, and the passing ability of Harry Kane to find him. Uh, that is what is is really working wonders for Spurs. I actually heard that they were interested in a in a play. I'm not gonna uh, talk about the gossip right now. But I kind of thought it might be straight if they sign this player, it might just interrupt the beautiful attacking partnerships they have going on up front. So we'll have to wait and see if they do upset the Apple Cup with that signing. This could be like, you know, the kind of uh, too many chefs, mm. too many cooks kind of uh, signing that probably wouldn't be good for Spurs. But from an Arsenal point of view, hey, go ahead and sign another cook. You know, we don't mind. <laughs> you want to mess things we up need to start it? signing some cooks, bro. Um, well, yeah, the, the talk is this one player is a player that Arsenal have been linked with in the past. And so the talk is that both North London clubs are interested in signing this player in the summer. But we'll see. I mean, I think Odegaard is, is doing a good job at being the conductor in the middle. And I think our main problem is up front and possibly on the wings, not having enough goal scoring uh, wingers or goal scoring midfielders. Obviously, Odegaard needs to chip in with more goals, but I do think he has the capacity to improve. I think he has a high ceiling and he's not fulfilling his true potential. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's not convinced. Um, no, I think he, I think Odegaard's all right. He's, he's, gen- he's genuinely like surprised, changed an element of my opinion on him. But yeah, that just seems to be that like, just the, the, the sum total of Arsenal potential, but not realising it. But yeah, let's move on, man, because I'm sick and tired of talking about that team. Um, well, that's the that's the end of the the results. Uh, we've got loads of fixtures uh, on this uh, this sunny Sunday in London. We've got Brentford versus West Ham. We've got Leeds versus Crystal Palace. We've got Norwich versus Burnley. We've got City versus Liverpool. Um, not sure if you've got anything you want to talk about in the smaller fixtures before we move on to the big one. Just how important it is for Burnley, like we said, to win that to win that 
Um, Leicester Crystal Palace is literally just swinging. Like Palace have got their game against PSV. Sorry, Leicester got their game against PSV in the in the whatever that third European tournament is called, um, Conference League, <laughs> which they're going to be thinking about as well. Palace are warming up for the semi-final against Chelsea next week. So there's going to be a bit of that. You did want to speak about the Gallagher story, didn't you? Saying that Gallagher is ineligible to play against Chelsea as it's his parent club. But obviously it, it inhibits Crystal Palace and their ability to play their best team in that in in that game and you wanted to work out whether the law should be changed um yeah i thought it was an interesting story that uh, bbc reported on there and um it was nice to see patrick vieira coming out and defending his player and saying you know he thinks that it's it's going to be an experience that gallagher's going to miss out on and he's been brilliant for crystal palace all the way up to this fa cup semi-final clash and then he won't be able to play against his parent club mm. um at wembley which is obviously, you know, it's going to be heartbreaking for um, for Gallagher to miss out on that. So it just, it just, for me, it raises the question: Why, why can't we have a change in the rules? Why can't players on loan play against their parent club? I know it's not in the parent club's best interest to have a potential one of their own, you know, put them to the sword and knock them out of a competition or just defeat them and, and stop them from picking up points. But you're the ones that let him go out on loan in the first place. I feel like you should be able to play. So in your agreement, I think you can set it. because. So for instance, Liberamento played yesterday, um, but Brozier didn't. And they're both on loan from, from Chelsea. So I think it depends on what you put in the actual agreement. But this is a cup semi-final. Imagine Gallagher scores the winner and, and stuff like that. So I think, I, I, I kind of think it just makes sense to not play against the team that you're on loan from. And if that's the rule at the start of the season, then that's it. You have to abide by it. So if they played each other six times, you knew that when you sign that that deal, that was going to happen. You just have to abide by the contract that you've actually signed up to, right? Fair enough. Um, unlucky for Gallagher. But yeah, um, moving on to City versus Liverpool. <clears throat> Excuse me, the big one. This is a huge, 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 huge game. Uh, you gonna be watching this game, Ash? Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, any predictions? Because this is the kind of game where you think whoever wins this game could go on and win the league. Yeah, I think it is. I think I think if Liverpool win it, I think I think they win it. They win it. I think if City win it, that gives them a four point gap. Um, City are one point ahead at the moment. Yeah, listen, I've cleared my schedule to be able to watch it. <laughs> like, it's weird. Like I, when I used to be younger, I used to essentially like plan my 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 week around football. Mm. Especially when Arsenal were good, I'd be like, yeah, I got to do this, and we're playing at this time, so I got to make sure I'm home. And I don't really do that as much now. Life is life in. But today, four thirty. That's the game I'm watching. That's the game I'm definitely watching. Um. I've got it down as a draw, actually. I think, I think, I think both teams score. I think it would be a draw. Um, I, I really am unsure. If both teams look like they're going to progress in the Champions League as well, right? 
I'm really unsure if you said to Pep you had to only pick one, he would pick the Prem again. And I think that's the that's the thing. I think Liverpool really want the Premier I think Liverpool want the Premier League a little bit more than City want the Premier League. So as a result, I'm that's kind of where my energy is with this at the moment. Are I you, feel like Are you thinking City are gonna rest players to play against Atletico Madrid next week? No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm mm-hmm. saying is I just feel like the energy that City are putting towards I just think that the Champions League is the one thing City have never won. They got to the final last year, and obviously it's the big kind of noose around Pep's 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 neck at the moment. Mm. Liverpool won their their league a couple of years ago, and Klopp won the Champions League. So the pressure to win one of these two major competitions is potentially more on City than it is Liverpool. So as a result, I kind of think that. Even this game, listen, this game, the focus is on this game, right? But is the focus, having won, like, I think, four out of five titles for, for Man City, if they went five out of six, great. But if they didn't win the Champions League, that would be the, that would be the, that would be the really, really big story. So I just don't know. I just, I just, there's something about, there's something about just their will to win the Champions League, which I think is, is their priority this year. I think obviously they want to win the league, but I don't know whether they've maybe just got like half a percent or a percent off of it, and that's what might allow Liverpool to 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 nick it. It's gonna be so close. It's gonna be so close. And also, I don't know, man. I just think that like Ruben Diaz, he's been out for a little while. He's their their best centre back. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. I can't even call it. I want to say a draw just to sit on the fence, but I really can't call this game today. Personally, I think City generally do okay when Diaz isn't around. I think Stones is good, Ake is good, Laporte is good. Um, I think they generally come in and do a good job. Um, And they can do a good job against Liverpool. Um, But the form of Liverpool right now is something else. That Luis Diaz has come in and been like a Colombian Neymar. He's been incredible. Um, and he's actually squeezed some more performances out of Jota. You can see Jota kind of being rotated with Diaz and Jota's now stepping up a bit more and, and contributing more. I don't know what's happening with Mane uh, and with Salah. It seems that both Mane and Salah have kind of gone into decline, which has allowed Diaz and Jota to maybe shine a bit more. Um, and it's, there's so many attacking options. They've got good players on the team and lethal impact subs, quality impact subs that can come off the bench and hurt them. Um, and I don't know if Manchester City's attack is looking as dangerous as Liverpool's is right now. Um, we know the football that Man City can play. They're very strong, uh, very good in possession um, and very technical. But you know, we were saying earlier that you know Jack Grealish hasn't really been the signing that you kind of thought he would that he would have wanted him to be. Uh, even though he's got this new Gucci deal, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, are you really the Gucci done right now? You know, so yeah, Liverpool for me, I think Liverpool wins this game and maybe they go on to win the league. They're trying to do that, uh, that most successful season ever, aren't they? Where they win absolutely everything. So yeah, I, this is the yeah, kind they're of in, game. They're in, they're in for all four. 
they're in for all, they're in for all four, which I mean, they were to pull that off. That's what they're going for. So that's why I think I think they've got a little bit of extra motivation to try and get this game. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they can. I don't think they on. can do all four. To be fair, but they did. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. This is gonna. Oh, our listeners are gonna be obviously thinking. Well, they know already what's happened. Um, but so they're not as excited as we are right now. But this is wow. This is a huge match. One not to be missed for sure. Um, couple of news. No, points. I, oh. I almost wish we put it after now. <laughs> oh, it's cool, man. It is what it is. The reaction would have been good, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been dope. Who knows? Well, we could work another time out. For, no, sure, next time. for sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, moving on to some news topics. Um, Manchester City actually have a sponsor issue, um, talking about City. Um, so we've got this story in The Guardian here where they talked about how they have a kit sponsor. So not the actual kit that they wear week in, week out on the, uh, on the Premier League and Champions League matches. Um, but like a training kit sponsor, Marathon Bet. And this just happens to be a company that was established in Russia. And with all of the sanctions coming down on Russian corporations, um, there is a bit of controversy here. So uh, it's an interesting article for anybody who wants to read that. That will be in the show notes um, published along with the show. Um, but yeah, a little bit of controversy there. Talking about controversy, there's a lot more controversy uh, surrounding the World Cup. Now, I particularly wanted to talk about this one World Cup story uh, in particular reported by Sky Sports. Um, And it's actually furthered by an an article in The Independent. So in The Independent, they've reported that um, 24,000 workers have suffered human rights abuses on World Cup 2022 projects. 24 that that number is absolutely ridiculous and when you read it, it it's it's comprehensive so i can't really talk about everything in there but when you read it they even talk about there's a, a british construction worker who ended up dying on a project because of the lack of health and safety measures being put in place um so you know it, it's absolutely shocking what's going on over there um, although for a lot of us, that's not going to be a surprise. We know that things are a bit dodgy uh, over there. Um, but the story that kind of really made me want to talk about this right now is um, that the Sky Sports has reported security guards at the World Cup are being subjected to forced labour. Uh, so being someone who's previously worked in security, this this story kind of hit a bit close to home for me. Um And uh, the key findings in this report by Amnesty International were that, uh, you know, the conditions that the security guards are working in is forced labor. They're working on projects linked to the World Cup. Um, There's discrimination on the basis of race, national origin and language. Um, Fifteen of the guards were deployed outside in intense heat, including during summer months when outdoor working is supposed to be restricted. And in some cases, they have no shelter and no drinking water. Um, and apparently there's key legal reforms that have been put in place to tackle these labour issues that are just not being effectively implemented. Um, and it goes on. There's there's so much to read here if anybody wants to read it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really just 
at a loss for words. Like, I can't just, I just can't understand knowing the kind of thing that goes on in that part of the world, how FIFA can just be like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's go. Let's have a World Cup in Qatar. Yeah. But like you said, they don't really care, though. Like, it's just really obvious that certain people just don't care. Man, it's just... Well, that's a great article from Sky Sports. Mm. Um, In other news, we've got Neil Warnock, an absolute football legend in English football, who has decided he's going to hang up his... You're not hanging up your boots as a manager. What would you be hanging up? Uh, Hanging up your your clipboards. Yeah, (laughs) Oh, your pro zone. Hanging up your pro zone now. Hanging up the hairdryer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No more hairdryer treatment. 73 years old, 42 years in football management, 16 clubs. The numbers for this man are are very intriguing. Um, I think he'll be known as a as a character. He was a real character. I always enjoyed watching his uh, interviews when I saw uh, Neil Warnock doing a pre and post match presses. Mm. Um, and um, and he's done a lot. He's done a lot. Like if you go and read this article, you'll see about all of his accomplishments here. And uh, he'll be missed. Hopefully, we'll s- still see him doing some media work and stuff. Because, like I say, he's a uh, a beloved character in this country. Um, so shout out to Neil Warnock. Shout him out, man. All the best for retirement. No doubt. Um, bit more serious news here. Um, so UEFA has decided to reform their financial system. Sustainability regulations. So we've had the uh, financial fair play, and now we've got a reform to this financial fair play. And again, it's another comprehensive, brilliant article from Sky Sports. They, they've kind of got themselves a reputation for putting out brilliant football work. Um, and um, it says here that the new rules come into force this June, but they will be implemented gradually over three years to give clubs time to adapt to the new regulations. Um, So there's various rules. There's going to be a a 70% squad cost rule cap. Um, There's going to be... Oh, I've going to lost the, uh, the sections here. There's going to be a few different other measures being brought in. Um... And it's all to do with football earnings requirements um, and just kind of regulating the amount of money that comes into football and how much clubs can spend. So, And the interesting thing about it is all of the stakeholders are in consensus. I didn't really expect that to happen, but like the European Clubs Association, um, the European Leagues, even the European Parliament, everybody's just like, yeah, we like these new rules, let's go. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of details to be talked about. But again, mm-hmm. it's kind of outside the scope of what we're doing here on this podcast. If you want to read the article, that'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and uh, a nice note to end on is uh, is this story about Maradona. Do you want to talk to us about Maradona? So... The infamous hand of God um, took place um, 86, right? Yeah, it was 86. Um, and Steve Hodge was um, a person lucky enough 
to gain Maradona's shirt that day. So at the end of games, footballers exchange shirts, right? Imagine. Yeah. So Steve Hodges had this 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 shirt for my math is what thirty six years. Yep, thirty six. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, thirty six years. Go Ash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> take out my toes in that. Um, and now they're saying that it's been valued at approximately four million pounds if it was to go to auction. Um, and yeah, just it was just an amazing story. Obviously, we're in we're in a World Cup year. Um, Maradona's greatest moments have have kind of come in a World Cup. Um, Arguably the greatest pe- greatest player to ever play the game. Um, some people really ride for that narrative. So, um, yeah, just wanted to just bring it up because it was really interesting to think that like, that one shirt. Um, obviously, it's just like notorious. No, like everyone knows about the hand of God. Um, Four million pounds for that one shirt, crazy. It might crazy. be the most valuable football shirt of all time. It's. Actually. It's 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 got. I mean, what other shirt could even? I can't think of another footballing moment where a shirt could rival that. Mm. You know, that is literally the most iconic moment in football. And I'm I'm actually thinking, it's interesting that Steve Hodge did want to swap shirts with him because I could imagine a lot of the other England players would have been so salty they probably didn't want to swap shirts. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, being lucky enough to get Maradona's shirt after such an iconic moment. Um, and then be able to put it on auction. Yeah, you're going to make a pretty penny for that. Um, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, well, I think that brings an end to our football discussion today. Unless you've got anything else that comes to mind, Ash, it is time to speak now or forever hold your peace. No, I'm good. Um, oh, just a bit of a heads up to Atletico Trotters. So do you remember I said that Wes, who we've formerly had on there, um, they were going for the league. Oh, unfortunately, yeah, I went to to watch the last game, and unfortunately, they were unable to wow. to achieve that. So they finished second. But considering where they were last season to to this season, they've done exceptionally well. And today they got knocked out the semi final of a cup. Oh. Um, so it means the season is going to be ending on a disappointing note. But when you look at it across the whole season. It's been a great year for the for, for the Trotters and hopefully it just means they'll be able to go one step further next year. Yeah, that, that that's, you know, second in the league, cup semi-final. That's a good season. Bit disappointed, obviously, but, you know, yeah, good season and uh, mm. something to build on. Yeah, definitely. Shout out to the Trotters. Shout out to all of our listeners. As always, if you want to get us on the social media, it's at Podcast Play On and at Beer at Bounce. Um, and this should be out 6 a.m. Uh, universal time on uh, the usual channel. So, yeah, uh, for now, have a happy Mother's Day. Have a, uh, a Mother's nice day. It's gone already, isn't it? Have a nice Easter. <laughs> have, <an> Easter. <laughs> have a nice Easter. And uh, we're going to see you in a couple of weeks, guys. Yeah, peace.